Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Claire Richmond. Claire, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Nice to be here. Well, it's a new year and I just want to start this conversation by just saying congratulations again, because I know that there's going to be a lot of new beginnings for you as a result of your winning speaker factor last year. Thank you. Yes, I I hope so. It's um. It took a little time to sort of sink in and I do have lots of plans. But one of the things I've realised about life is it's really important not to rush into things because my immediate response was, right, OK, I've got to get cracking on the podcast on, you know, on all sorts of things that I have lined up. But actually, I've taken a step back and, and, and sort of thought through more carefully about the next step I should take and then how I'm going to how I'm going to make most of it. So I'm not rushing, but I will get there. <laughs> well, it's a great philosophy to have in life, you know, the no rushing, but sort of little steps in the right direction. And let's let's just sort of share with the audience what it is you're currently doing. So what I currently do is I work with communities and organisations um, to help them find their hidden potential and to help them work more effectively together. And why are they not doing that? The reason I think that people aren't doing it is that we have we have for too long seen people within a very sort of within a box. We've labelled people and their skill set and what they're good at, and 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 we've assumed that what motivates people is giving them a salary, giving them you know um, a reward and a punishment system, and 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 working within a very narrow framework of what that person's value is and what I've discovered over the last 10 years since I set up a grassroots initiative is that actually it takes an awful lot less to get an awful lot more from people and that um, people are essentially highly resourceful enterprising and capable people you know people are when given the right conditions, people will surprise you. And that has been one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the last 10 years of working in this field. And is it the individuals themselves that are holding the back or is it the framework? I would say it's a bit of both. Um, when I set up the Grassroots Initiative, I had a very clear idea about what I wanted to achieve, but I wasn't entirely sure how to do it. And I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. I needed other people. I was quite clear what I thought the problem was, and, and my initiative was all around high streets. Um, but the first process that I began um, was to talk to people, which sounds like an obvious thing to do, but to ask questions, because I knew what I thought I knew, but I needed to understand more about it. And what that showed me was that my assumptions about the problem, which I genuinely thought was a marketing one, were incorrect. 
their real challenge was the mindset that people just had dislocated from their own sense of power, that they didn't themselves see that they could affect their own solutions and, and, and create their own opportunities. You know, the response from all the businesses that I worked with initially was, you know, these are the problems, parking rents, rates. These, the government is, is, is causing the problems and they are also supposed to be the solution to our problems. So actually, I think there is a sort of mindset where we look to other people to solve our problems and we've forgotten that we ourselves have got a huge power in that. But I think the framework sort of reinforces that message. So, I mean, if we take high streets as the example, the government's response to the high street problem, which came about a couple of years after I'd set up my initiative, was to bring in an expert and to ask Mary Portis to look at the problem from a sort of outside in point of view. Now that has a role, but the real problem is that when that intervention goes, you've left with nothing that's really changed. And if the problem hasn't been solved, then people will look again to the government or to an external expert to come in and solve the problem. And what I found in delivering this was actually if we looked at getting people to think differently about what they themselves could achieve with the resources that they already had, that was very, very empowering. It was magical. And the legacy that I feel we left when I sort of moved away from working on the Crouching Project was that there was a, a, a collaborative spirit. There was a sense of possibility that people could actually do things. And that I think was very important. So in answer, very long answer to your, your short question, I think is a combination of the two. <laughs> well, what, I, what I'm hearing here is this sense of possibility and the being able to create opportunities and affect the changes from within I mean as you as you said it is a bit of both you know it's not just the individual but once you do see that sort of turn that change of of belief of mindset what things have happened since then well I mean certainly in the first instance um in this very small way this this to me was the lesson I really learned I had no money I had no particular permission. I had no infrastructure, no resources. And yet within 18 months in Crouchend, we had created an, a, a sort of a, an impact which had gone far beyond my expectations. The Crouchend project was for me the model which inspired everything I did from that point, because I could see how little it took to motivate and get people moving. And I could see how, um, it, it people enjoyed actually feeling that they had that power and that sense of possibility. What I then went on to discover was that when I was asked to go and do this in other areas and, and to replicate the success in other um, with other communities, I could see the same possibility. I could see the same potential in every community. It didn't matter whether it was an urban, it, whether it was a rural community, whether it was deprived or affluent. I, I met and I could see how you could begin something. But I kept coming up against the same problem. And this is where the framework comes in. The, the problem wasn't actually in the people. The problem wasn't in the community. The problem actually wasn't in the local authorities or the government or whoever was trying to run the project. The problem was in the approach. 
And this really has been my area of work since then because it was frustrating but also worrying that I could see how much potential existed, but we were continually stifling that potential because we insisted on operating in a very sort of rigid way that, you know, each of the projects that I worked on at that point would begin with actually a huge budget, which can be debilitating. You know, big is not always better. <laughs> and if you want to release potential, having something which hangs over everybody, like a big budget where everybody's concerned about you know, is, are you going to meet the outcomes that we've defined? That then becomes the focus of the project. Whatever we do, we have to look like we have achieved these outcomes. And the outcomes were set were, were kind of ridiculous every time. Like we're going to, in 18 months, reduce unemployment in the area. But there was no particular understanding of how they were going to do that in 18 months and how that would actually last beyond that 18 months. And so really my work, has been looking at that approach and trying to find ways that can help people to affect some small changes which begin to create that belief and that confidence in letting people find their own sense of possibility. Because one of the things I discovered was the approach that we have is that some people have the answers and are and have the responsibility to deliver everything, which is untenable, and most of the time, you know, we asked of our leaders to be in control and certain of things that they have no power to be. So you then develop this rather sort of the cycle of cynicism, you know. So this is what was happening. People are coming into high streets, into communities to deliver something which sounded exciting, sounded fascinating. But at the end of the day, they leave eight, after 18 months and everybody's left saying, well, the problem still isn't fixed. So the, the work that needs to be done is to introduce belief in people that so much more can be achieved with so much less. And that less bit is less intervention, less spreadsheet thinking, more opening up and seeing and finding out, you know? So um, that's what I've been focusing on. And that's what I, I went on to do an MA about because all the work that I did I felt there was so much here, there was so much we were missing, and we can't really afford to keep missing this potential. So it felt this was an area that I really wanted to focus on. So that's what I then went to do my MA on, looking at how I could introduce this sort of grassroots spirit into a more conventional setup, which would allow people to release the potential that exists. And the amount of energy and passion that I'm sensing right now, Claire, is phenomenal. And this whole less is more philosophy that you've adopted. Can you remember the first moment that you knew that this was going to be your path forward? I was brought up by somebody, by my dad, who was, who challenged me and everything around, you know, not, not in a sort of heckling way, but he brought me up to, to challenge the status quo, you know, to, to think, ask questions of it. Not, not, not necessarily in a rude way, but, but to try and work out how things work, you know. And, and he was somebody who I think was quite prescient in that he was very much about the power of the community to solve its own problems. He set up a, an organisation, was one of the founding members of the World Development Movement, and he was very much about how, how you can help people 
find the best they can be, you know, work things out for themselves. That, that to him was a very important message. So I think in the background of my life, I've always had that. And really it was the grass. I mean, I've spent my life working in marketing and media. And when I set up this grassroots project, I didn't have any high expectations, which is always very helpful, I find. <laughs> it means that you're not afraid of failing. So you give things a go. Um, one of my dad's sayings was, you know, if a job's really worth doing, Claire, it's worth doing even if you do it badly. Because the learning you will get from it, whatever the outcome, that's a very powerful starting point because that gives you a sense of opportunity and much less a fear of failure. So the moment I think I really began to see this was when I began to do something which demonstrated it. And that was that grassroots project. I had nothing. And yet within 18 months, over 200 businesses and organizations were involved. We'd got all the schools involved. We'd created a brand which everybody trusted and began to you know, connect with. So it was, it was actually seeing it. And that is why when I talk to organizations and leaders, I talk to them about the need to actually do something because You've, you hear a lot of the sort of language that I use. It's not unusual for people to talk about hidden potential. It's not unusual for people to talk about the need for diversity, the need to sort of do things differently. The problem is that until you believe it yourself, until you see it for yourself, it's kind of ticking box exercise. So I have... I have developed a system and a way of working with people which allows them to work this out with me using small actions to, to develop that sort of capacity and, and, and have confidence in people. But that's the bit of the jigsaw which you need to work on first. The first bit is you have to believe in it yourself and you can only do that when you actually see it happening. So what does grassroots actually mean? So for me, grassroots... Um, it, it's a bit of a tricky phrase because lots of people think of grassroots as being about, you know, nice community projects, raising money for the local church or jumble sales or cricket pitch or something. Actually, for me, grassroots is about the foundations. It's about the very root of the problem from which everything else will grow or wilt. So it's about focusing your attention on preparing the soil, getting the foundations right so something meaningful and sustainable can grow or be built and, that, and that's fantastic and I think that's what you know a lot of people understand the meaning to be but it's more a case of are they actually doing it yes yes and 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 I think from you know what we've talked about before is that people's attention tends to be on if you're taking the same analogy on the flowers on you know how big the, the but actually your attention needs to be on getting the foundation bit right, making sure that you have got in place the best possible, the strongest possible foundations for something to really grow. Because if you get that bit right, it isn't nearly so much hard work letting things grow and develop because you've got that resilience and that stamina, if you like, built in. So essentially, it's not always about the vision, it's about the, the hard work that needs to get that vision started. Yes. I mean, I think, as you know, you're right. There's, there's People need to come together around something. Something needs to matter to somebody. If something matters to somebody, then they're much more able to, to contribute more fully. But in a way, that goes back to a phrase I use, which is, you know, being clear about direction, but open to the route. You know, exactly how you're going to do it almost doesn't matter. 
what matters is the people who are involved around the table and the people who've come through the door are given the best opportunity to, to be the best they can be in making the right decisions, in being clear about how they can contribute, being feeling able to contribute, and that they have got the best possible routes in order to, and then they'll flourish. And then, you know, I sometimes use the analogy, if you get the roots bit right, it's a bit like, it's, it makes a difference between somebody having to pull a 20-ton truck up a massive hill using their teeth, or if you get the roots right, it's like just jumping in the cabin and driving the damn thing up. You know, all the effort goes into actually getting to the top, getting to where you want to go, because you've you've got the roots right, you've got the foundations right. Otherwise you're constantly having to push and pull and change and worry. It's a trust thing. It's build the right foundations, make sure people know why they're there, make sure people know they're valued, connect people, be open to things, be clear about the route and it's magic, things will happen. But you've got to get the roots right. And that's where my focus is, getting the roots right. And explain what it means to get to the root of the problem. Um, I don't want to overstate this. But I absolutely believe we already have what we need to succeed and achieve the goals that we need. We have in us what we need already. Sometimes I think the problem is that we, we think we need things that actually we really don't. And, and I think during this pandemic, we've understood that, that actually the things that really matter are actually achievable. And that's a very important first start. To get to the root of this also will we'll release things in all of us. It will, it will, it will help leaders become more effective and carry less of the burden it will give everybody it people people who who, who in, in whom this i've worked with where this happens people see their own value and there is something i've i've witnessed over the years there's three very important things that make the difference to people which makes a difference to the way they see about themselves the way they collaborate with other people the way they interact the way they live their life is if they feel valued if they have a sense of their own power and purpose and if they have if they feel connected to the world somehow they're not you know one of the most dangerous human conditions is, is isolation so if you can give people that sense of value it opens up something and i can only describe it almost as and I hesitate to do this, but magic. You know, you really can sit back and, and it happens and, and people find each other. And, you know, it, it is, I would, it, it, if people question this, I'd ask them to have a think about their everyday life, where, whether it's somebody smiling at them, whether it's that somebody's kind to them, whether something happens where people say, gosh, that's great, thank you so much. Or, you know, small, it's the small little interactions, the million everyday interactions that, that, that light this up in everybody, which we should take notice of because it makes a difference to how we feel. And then you begin to notice the, the secondary layer, which is that actually, how did that, per you know, walking my local park at the beginning of lockdown last year, I noticed that, the park, which has been looking a bit down at heel because the local authority wasn't working on it in the way anymore, um, began to look a little bit spruced up and somebody was giving it a bit of love and care and I couldn't 
it's amazing how, who's doing this. And all through our lives, all through communities, there will be people doing small, but important, small but significant things which are changing, changing that community, changing that experience for you. Look out for them because they're already doing it. And it could be a teacher. It could have been what I call my silent gardener. It could be there's little groups of people being enterprising, showing initiative. And if we valued that, more of that would happen and come forth. And when I've worked in communities where people talk about them being deprived, I have seen so quickly, I haven't been there for long. There is a there is a level of informal leadership which is happening, which if it was to be recognized valued and supported or if it was even to be amplified we begin to solve some of the everyday problems which become huge issues for us so people just work better together people are happier i mean it's not nirvana but one of the most important things about this is it gives people permission to get things wrong and then to do something about it so one of the things we hear about an awful lot is we need to learn these lessons so we're going to be learning lessons from the problems, the mistakes that we've made. We never do, because the way we set up this world is we're, we're terrified of admitting that we haven't got something right or that we don't know. Niles Bohr was a brilliant scientist. He was one of the founding fathers of the quantum theory. And like lots of scientists, they're incredibly creative people. But he made a comment, which I think is, is, is I always paraphrase it, um, but his, the quote I use from him a lot is that the moment, the moment that something progressed for them, the moment that things changed and moved forward was when they stopped putting their hypothesis into the equation and sat back and said, you know, we just don't have a clue what's going on here. We don't know. From that moment, they were able to begin to observe things differently from a, that point of freedom that I talked about earlier on. And, and they began to make sense enough of the world so we could make huge leap forwards. And for us to learn, for us to actually have a world where we can say we don't know, or this has gone wrong, or this hasn't happened in the way we thought, means that we would made a huge leap forward. It means that we will be actually working with reality rather than trying to control it. And that is when I think at the root of this, we will all be able to become the best that we can be, that we can actually become, find our potential, find our potential to be happier, find our potential to, to work better together, find our potential to be more creative and to be more enterprising and perhaps a bit more daring. And what I'm not hearing is that money is a driver. There was a headline in the Evening Standard, which I was mortified by when I first was doing the Crouchen project. And it was a headline which had me saying, we don't need your cash, Mary Porters. Um, but we didn't. And everything I've witnessed since, I'm not saying money doesn't matter. And, and certainly once we had got things up and running, I then went to get extra support because we had something to support. We had created something and there was there was momentum there. What I have found in life is that we throw money at things. And it doesn't surprise me because actually as humans, we tend to stick with what we know. It's, it makes us feel we can't we can't be fired for doing something that somebody's done before us and was deemed as correct. So we tend to stick with what we've already done. But then in every instance in which I've worked in, for instance, 
communities that wanted to regenerate their high street, organisations that wanted change. The moment you hurl huge money at something, that becomes the focus. Not what have we already got that we can start doing on, in small ways. The money comes in at the wrong point for me. And very often the money is far too much. It is bewildering and it puts a weight on people's shoulders. And when you have weight on weight, it, 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 it literally does stifle. So no, money I don't think is, I think money is used incorrectly and we waste a huge amount of it because we, we look for, uh, we don't use the resources properly that we've already got. And if we did that, we would be, we would be far better off. And you talked about sense of purpose and, and the importance of community. What is your focus going forward this year? In some ways, it's, it, it's, it, it's carrying on, getting the message out to people that small change has big impact and that you already have what you need. You just need to find a way to release it. So some of that is helping leaders to, understand, to believe. You know, if, as I said at the beginning, if you don't have this, for, if you look at your community of people, whether it's in an organisation, a charity, a business, public sector, or in an actual community, if your view of them is, we need to come in and do something here, or these people, you know, I don't trust them, they're not, they're not motivated, they're lazy, they're not, you know, they're not here to do what I need them to do, then all your focus is on how you monitor and measure and control those people. And that's because your belief is that you know better or these people aren't quite good enough and you need to be on them. The difference that happens when people look at the people they work with and say, wow, actually, these people are capable. And, and actually, my job is simply to make sure that I create the conditions where they can be, be the best they can be. Actually, these people are motivated if I give them the right impetus. Actually, these people have got great ideas. When I've worked with grassroots leaders who have been my inspiration over the last 10 years, like me, they've had started something with nothing, but they've created something extraordinary, far more impressive than anything I've done, far more impressive. You know, they've, they've worked with all sorts of different people because they don't have a recruitment process. You can't if you have no money. And yet they've managed to build teams of highly effective people from really disparate groups, really diverse groups of people. None of them, unless they've got any of the right qualifications that we would look for, none of them have necessarily had any experience before. And yet they managed to, to, to not just meet the goals of these grassroots leaders, but exceed them. So there's something really powerful about that belief and that collaborative leadership approach that, you know, actually... My job is to bring out the best in you. How can we work together? What do we all need to achieve? What is it I'm missing here? What, what is it I'm, I'm overlooking? Who is it that I'm overlooking? Because the most extraordinary ideas and brilliant insights very often come from the most unlikely people. And we just don't bring people in. We just don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So our focus is on being right. Being right, I promise you, is not the answer if you want to release potential. It's actually being able to be wrong and bringing people in and asking questions rather than looking for neat answers. If you look for neat answers, we'll tell you what you want to hear. If you ask good questions, you'll hear something of real import.
And it's really interesting you're talking about people who have not got the skill sets that you would expect or not got the experience that you would expect. But actually what they have got is they've got a very aligned values with what they believe in. So they're coming from a very different perspective. And this is something that I've noticed with businesses is that when they start to recruit with, with people who are in alignment with the values, it makes such a difference within the organisations. Yes, 100%. So with, with what you're doing, Claire, what is your big mission? I mean, there's lots of things, but it all boils down to getting people to believe in each other. Getting people to believe that actually we are all far more capable if we're given less. So it, my mission is to help people see that and help them to do that. Give an example of somebody who's, who's done that. The best example I, I've got are, are my grassroots. Um, innovators and one of them is Adam Smith and he was by his own admission a troubled youth he he had a tough tough childhood and a difficult time growing up and didn't have a proper education I think trained as a chef but really had no, no, none of the skills none, none of the none of the, the the qualifications or experience that would get him through the front door of any any office or any organization he then went to Australia um, as a young man um, to work on a farm. And while he was there, he had a sort of epiphany where he made the connection between the amount of food that, that was being produced on the farm that was then going to waste. And seeing for the first time, he described these cafes in Sydney, which were um, beginning to sort of allow people to come to the cafe to, to eat the food that they had taken, which would otherwise have gone to waste. And you could pay for it what you wanted. So if you didn't have any money, it didn't matter, you could still eat. He then became impassioned by this and, and, and could see this ridiculous chasm opening up between, you know, in wealthy countries where there was food being just tipped out and going to waste and people going hungry. And it, it set light to something in him. So from Australia, he began to put this idea for his project, which is called the Real Junk Food Project together. He sent 5,000 emails to individuals and organizations who he thought would be interested in helping him set something up. He got two responses. Now for most people, that would be a sign that this isn't gonna go anywhere, forget about it. But if any grassroots leader will tell you, you start with what you've got, two's good enough, now, within five years, that young man had come back to the UK and he had literally, with a strange team of people who'd come together around him, he had saved millions of tons, sorry, he'd, he'd saved thousands of tons of food going to waste and he had fed millions of people in 47 countries around the world, fed them with food that would rather have gone to waste. Now, as an organisational concept, that's incredibly comp you know, complex. How on earth do you go from that to a, a global organisation able to put wasted food in, 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 in the hands of people who are going hungry? Phenomenally complex. I don't think Adam would probably have got the job he's doing today if he'd gone through the normal channels to get it. None of the people that he worked with would probably have the jobs that they were doing if they'd asked for them in the way that we expect people to ask for a job. 
None of them had the qualifications, the CVs, the experience, and yet together, this team of people within five years had achieved something quite phenomenal. And it's not unusual. I mean, it's fairly unusual. But that is, the, that is where you can get to if you, as you said, Amy, these are self-selecting people. They see somebody doing something that matters to them and they, and they, want, to, they want to get involved. They join in and it becomes, you know, the purpose of what they are trying to achieve is absolutely sings to people, it speaks to them. And then what happens in grassroots innovator world is that those people are valued for being there. You know, they don't have to come in with, with any great stream of experience or qualifications. They, they already have value just because they're there. And the leader's job becomes the job of meta-engager. They have to engage with everybody that they work with on a level, which means that they work together well as a team. So it means if the problems, they have to deal with it. So it means if there's, you know, if somebody can't do something or somebody wants to contribute in a way that they hadn't initially, that's fine. So it's it, it the leadership role is vital. But as Adam Smith shows, if you engage with people, if you have a very clear sense of what you want to achieve, I have a phrase, which is you've got to be really clear about the direction, but be open to the route. You don't know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen. Actually, the whole point is that we don't know. The only fact in life there is, is that we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. How can we possibly? So you have to be open to the route. But it's that, um, I mean, I, I've written about these people and I'll be doing more of this. You know, I want to bring these stories to light because that's why I know that we have huge potential that's going to waste. We don't need to be, there isn't one right way or one wrong way. If there is something that matters to you, there is a way for you to achieve that. And it might take time and it might take a few stumbles. It will take time and it will take a few stumbles and things will go wrong. But if something really matters, as my dad said, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing even if you do it badly, do it, just have a go. And that, that freedom that comes with that is what really creates the opportunity for people to persist, keep going and get over their struggles. So what's really important, Claire, is I'm hearing that you're shining the light on these stories. You're bringing them to public consumption because this is where people hear these, as you say, sort of unusual stories, but they are taking a matter in their own hands and making that decision to step up and have that faith in themselves. And you spoke about Adam having an unconventional upbringing and that he didn't necessarily think he had the right tools. But what he did have is he had that strong sense of purpose. And it's so important to sort of share these stories widely. And this is a, the premise of my podcast is to bring people on like you so that other people who are listening thinking, well, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not able to do what I wanna do. I'm constrained for the, these various sort of constrictions around me, and I don't, I don't think I've got the resources. But the message I'm hearing from you today is, if you believe in it, step up and start very small, and it will make all the difference. Just, I have to say, start small, but start somewhere. Do it. 
it's those small actions and that will that will I tell you what that does as well is when you do something it creates that sense of possibility and you keep doing it and it, when you look you know it lights up it gives it 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 gives credence to your belief in your purpose if you sit and you think about it of course it won't happen and the other thing I've heard is that you talk about the the collaboration of people from different backgrounds that you wouldn't necessarily put together but often from experience and from listening to the stories that people share actually it's having those different skill sets from different backgrounds that make those perfect combinations and so often in recruitment people are recruiting like-minded people and that actually doesn't work you need to have different ways of thinking to come together absolutely and this you know i i remember doing a workshop um with the pharmaceutical company at beginning of last year now and they were there to discuss the purpose of the organization. And what was so interesting was within that room, there was a real diversity of, of people across section through the organization. And they hadn't normally sat together. That wasn't a normal expectation. It was normally sort of, you can imagine the sort of blocks that we sit ourselves in within an organization, the departments that don't mix, the people who don't talk to each other. And in that meeting, there was a moment where an idea came from somebody and she, you know, it's important to create a space where people feel able to say something. But this woman was worked in the finance department and she came up with an insight which stunned the whole room. You know, it, it is a very small example of a very big problem and a ridiculously simple one to overcome. You know, wherever you are in the community or an organisation, you will have valuable experience. And, you know, it, that also means sometimes the most valuable experience and most valuable insights come from people who disagree. Who, who, who think that what you've done is, is, is a waste of time or they don't understand it. That is magical, that sort of conversation. That's when you really learn something of important because it's about being out of your track thinking. So there's another phrase I have, which is you've got to face the uglies. That's where magic lies. You know, when, when, when you sit, when somebody complains, great, bring them in and talk to them. When there's a problem, let's all, let's all have a look and see what, what's going on and what we can do. There will be solutions, but they're not always very obvious. And if you don't talk to a range of people with a range of skills and a range of experiences, then you won't ever have a chance of really meeting the reality of the problem face to face. And so people are listening to this podcast, Claire, and they're thinking, I've got hidden potential. How do I unleash it? How do, how do they get in contact with you? Um, so there's the LinkedIn ways. There's my website, which is um, speak to. That's to speakto.co.uk. I'm on Twitter. I'm not as I'm not as uh, quite as high profiled on the world of Instagram as I probably ought to be, but you can find me on my website. I'd love to talk to anybody about this. And one of the things that we're going to be doing towards the end of the year is launching a sort of campaign to find the grassroots heroes in your organisation, your community, and get people to see where their hidden potential lies. So it's going to be something we're looking at to, to really go for at the end of this year, because there will be, hopefully, if we've done nothing else this year, we, we've seen 
seeing the world through slightly different focus, which hopefully will have brought new ideas and new challenges to mind. And that in itself is a great opportunity. Well, the gauntlet's been set for those people out there who are thinking about starting something, a new beginning for 2021. There you go. You may be the grassroots hero of 2021 if you get started now. So yes. thank you, Claire. It's been wonderful having you on. Please, would you leave the audience with a final message? The message I'd like to leave is one I've already said, which is you already have what you need. You just need to release it. So start small, but start somewhere. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.